Hey everyone, welcome to the Torque Message of the Week. We know you will be uplifted and equipped to go deeper in your relationship with Jesus through what is spoken. Please enjoy this message from our Torque Senior Leadership. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit torque.org. Now for the message. Father, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you, Lord, that he is your instrument. He is your oracle, Lord, to speak your words tonight. Bless him, Lord. Impart to him, Lord, all that he needs because it's by your strength, Lord, even in his weakness, Father. Right now, Lord, it's one, two, Jesus walks through. I say it every Amen. week. Amen. Let your words be his words and let it get right to the root and bear the fruit in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. God bless you all. I don't know what I could, what I would do without Sundays. I'm telling you, I, I so look forward to fellowshipping with the saints, worshipping under that anointing. It's, it's just, it's so satisfying. I was actually just cleaning up my notes in the church office and the anointing on the worship was so strong, I just dropped my laptop and my phone and I ran straight in here. You know, I've got to get, get, get under this. Hallelujah. Uh, can I get the team up the back to put the G-Blaze uh, gif, you know, the one where he's on the Empire State Building? <clears throat> Is that too hard to do, John? <clears throat> About four years ago, I was, one, I was asking why these finger buildings were being built in New York. You've seen them. They're right on the edge of Central Park. They're really... Thin, but very, very high. Actually, one of them is higher than the Empire State Building. It's very high. And I could imagine in the wind, see this one? That's actually taller than this. And these two here. Now, I don't know if John's played with the, uh, you know, the, uh, what do you call it, Photoshop? But I'm pretty sure that's an original shot from, I would say it's from the uh, Rockefeller Center with a close-up. God built those finger buildings so that he could stand on them. And not only that, I believe that it's just another sign that uh, people are going to return to New York, not just leave New York. All right? I heard today from, I think it was Nate who said, there's talk about Broadway or the centre of the arts going to Phoenix. I said, no, it is not. Because the word of the Lord many years ago before COVID. Look, when God says something two years before an event that seems to change everything, God still got it right two years before. And he said through our prophecies that New York slash New Jersey would be the next Hollywood in a sense of the centre of film production. So we don't want another Hollywood, but we do want Hollywood, yes. But we, we, we believe maybe this cleansing and this um, reduction in, in living sort of expenses might attract some business people as well to begin, you know, investing in film production, TV production, 
and, and the like in New Jersey and New York City again. All right? I know that New York already has a big TV industry, but more so the, um, you know, the, the, big, the, the, big, um, the big screen kind of industry. So, again, prophetically, you know, I know G Blaze is having a lot of fun there. But uh, the city is going to be not only what it used to be, but much, much better than that. Amen. All right. I want to read to you something. Tonight we're talking about turning our fantasies into God's dream. Right? Turning our fantasies into God's dream. Now... I don't want to rubbish any dream you've had about your future in the Lord, all right? But part of the process that God puts us through in the conversion, you know, process is that what we initially believe to be a vision or a dream that God planted in our hearts, along that journey, the Lord makes adjustments. Usually because we don't dream big enough or because we are too much a part of the dream and he hasn't reached his part or his level of participation in the dream. Most of us fall into doing too much and not relying on the Lord enough and then the other half of us do too little saying that God needs to do it all. And so we have to find that balance between our work and his work. So just let me, let me read this. Now, this came out of my devotional Bible, all right? I have a Bible with, you know, every day of the year and there's, there's you know, some devotions there. But when, when Pastor Nate said to me, Dad, what are you preaching on? He actually wanted me to clarify between fantasy and dream. And the, the moment he asked me, this, this particular devotion came to mind. So I don't want to let you think it's me. This is a man of God who wrote it. For years, quote, I pleaded my agenda with God. The one big thing I wanted him to do, I believed it, sp- it sprang from desires he had planted within me and was therefore part of his ultimate plan. But it wasn't the whole plan. His agenda was bigger. And until I lifted my eyes and saw the big picture of what he was doing and learned to pray more specifically and purposefully with his agenda in mind, my relationship with him was struggling. My prayers were answered only sporadically and in parts. I experienced a few of his favours without really experiencing him. My experience, God's, sorry, we experience God's presence by catching a vision for what he is doing and getting on with it, right? That doesn't mean our desires and dreams are irrelevant. They are often designed to fit his larger purpose. But when our focus is simple, on our part or simply on our part of the plan or our own fulfillment in it, our vision is too small and we aren't near enough to God. 
when we lift our eyes to embrace his mission in the world, taking our primary focus off our own part in the plan and putting it on the totality of what his heart desires, the presence of God powerfully increases in our lives. And the beauty of this relationship is that he begins to fulfill our portion more readily. Isn't this great? When we embrace the desires of his heart, he more zealously embraces ours. God showed Abraham what he was about to do in Sodom and Gomorrah, not because he had extra favour, but because he was a friend to God. Wow. When we enter his confidence by taking up his vision, um, prayers are answered quicker and more powerfully and our experience of the presence increases dramatically. Whatever our hearts align, whenever our hearts align with his, he is there with his person and his presence. I just wanted to read that to you because this particular brother in Christ had his dream adjusted. As he began to walk with God and he, and he really believed he was fulfilling a destiny that God had revealed to him, along the way God turned course several times to increase the grace and the effect of what this man of Christ, in Christ was called to do. And I, I do believe all of us to some level have experienced a turn in the river. You know what I mean? <clears throat> and remember, whenever the river turns, it's, the water slows. The water slows down. You know, when it's a nice straight stream and it's straight, it flows quicker. But the more turns, the slower, the slower it goes. And sometimes we do need to have a slowdown. We're going too fast. When you, when you travel too fast, you don't notice what's on the riverbank as much. You know, everywhere Jesus went, he walked. When we walk along the river of life, we walk. And we look at the tree of life with its 12 fruits born every month. And we participate in every single part of that fruit. If you run past one of those trees in the eternal states, you, you'll miss out on something. And so every now and then God allows a curveball or a turn in the river. And it seems like things are slowing down or even dying. And, you know, we cry out on God. We, know, we say, what's happening, Lord? And that's exactly what he wants us to do because the slowdown is a time of refocusing. Okay? It's a time of refocusing. So this whole process, obviously there's so many examples in the Bible. You have Moses. Moses thought he was a deliverer. Okay, I'm a deliverer. So let's start with killing one Egyptian. And that will cause a chain reaction. All of Israel will know I'm the man. Well, it had the exact opposite effect. Who made you a judge? Whoa, that set him back quite a bit. 
We don't want a brat that was brought up in the palace of Pharaoh, our slave master, now thinking that he's going to be our deliverer. Whoa. So God, can you imagine what Moses felt when his dream didn't turn out the way he expected it? Forty years later, God began to bring that desire to be a help to his people to pass. Joseph was shown a dream where he was going to be the head of his family, where even his mother and his father and his brothers would be depending on him and not only that, submitting themselves to him. Well, that took a bit of a change of course. He ended up in slavery because God had to take the fantasy out of Joseph's dream. Hello. It took 13 years approximately to destroy any self, um, self, uh, what's the word? Self-will, self-reliance, self-confidence, any kind of self-promotion or self-idolatry. He went from prince to slave overnight. But you know what? He hung on for all of his faults. He hung on. You see, could you say that his vision, his dream got a bit of a curve? Thank you, Don. Obviously it did. And you know, his brothers reaped what they did to their younger brother. They put their younger brother into slavery for 13 years. Israel went into slavery 430 years. Isn't that something? Don't, don't ever forget, grace is, is God's gift, but you have to pray about reaping and sowing in your life. See what I'm saying? Hmm. Who's whistling that dog whistle? <laughs> Okay, if you think uh, uh, liberation like that is, is good for a dog whistle, so be it. So there's other, there's, other, um, there's other examples. David, I think, is the only one who allowed the Holy Spirit to change his course several times without him getting all upset about it. You know, he was anointed king before his, his brothers and then he goes back to shepherding sheep. And then God uses his musicianship to get him connected to the kingship. That's obviously you've heard that sermon from me before. You need to go look at it again. It's excellent. And I say that because David had no problem with the changes in the river's course over a period of, guess what? Another 13 years. Okay? So you could imagine he was 17 when he killed the giant. He was, he was 30 when he became king, right? So there's something about that amount of time. So I'm saying all that to take you to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. That'll be our scripture reference just for ten, tonight's sermon. And then Dr. Robin and I will elaborate quite a bit at the portals. Um, so now I'm going to share with you a a dynamic of the Holy Spirit that we cannot escape. 
Hello? Everybody looking at me? This is a dynamic from the Holy Spirit that you can't say, I want to opt out. All right? Everybody who has a dream and anyone who has been given a word from the Lord about their future and their destiny will be subject to this dynamic. You can't get out of it. It's like, you know, we're all going to die one day. You can't say, God, can I sort of miss the dying process? Well, I mean, if he, if he comes and, and we're still alive at his coming, that's the only time you'll miss it. But if, if we aren't, you know, going to be um, included in the rapture, then unfortunately we have to go through what all of the descendants of Adam went through, including the Lord Jesus. He tasted death just like we will. Um, but obviously he didn't, have, he didn't allow the power of death to keep him down. Now, so... What happens is Paul is talking to the Corinthian church and he's laying down a principle. He's told the church, there's divisions among you. Some are saying, I follow Paul, I follow Peter, I follow Apostle, uh, Apollos. And, and, and the apostle is telling his spiritual children, when there's, you know, when there's factions like that in the church, you're acting like children, right? When there's factionism and cliques, you know, I belong to this doctrine or I belong to this school or whatever it may be, that's, an, that's a sign of immaturity. But then he starts explaining how the dynamic of his apostolic ministry works. So we pick up from verse 4. For when one says, I'm of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos except ministers through whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one of you? I planted, Apollos watered, but God was the one who brought the increase. So then neither he who is the planter is anything, nor he who is the waterer is anything, but it is God who gives the increase who's everything. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labour. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. According to the grace of God which was given to me, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another man is building on it. But let each one of the builders take heed how they build. You getting this? For no, one, no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds on this foundation with gold and silver or even precious stones, they can even add wood, hay or stubble. Each one's work will become clear for the day, which is the day of the Lord, will declare it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. Let's read on. If anyone's work which he has built on endures the fire, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned... He will suffer losses, but he himself will be saved, yet 
only as through the fire. Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him. For the temple of God is holy, which temple you are. Hallelujah. Okay, so I just want to stop there. Paul is saying that we need to watch what we build on the foundation that the Holy Spirit has laid in our hearts. So I'm going to sort of balance this New Testament scripture with a, a word given to Jeremiah in Jeremiah chapter 1. Can you go there with me? And it's good for us to um, go to the scriptures. You know, I hear from some churches, they don't go into the Old Testament because that's an old covenant. I, I say, are you kidding me? It is rich. In fact, the apostles built on the revelation of the prophets of old. All right? So I want you to go to verse 10. Now, I want, this is a balance to the 1 Corinthian Scripture about Paul laying a foundation. Now, you all know the strength of a building lies completely on the quality of the foundation of that building. When they were constructing the, um, the building next door, they dug down six stories. And they had to get the approval from the city because 7th Avenue is being held up by the subway. Okay? You know, when you go down into the subway, you go under 7th Avenue and the train lines follow 7th Avenue. Okay, so they had to make sure the tunnel that runs the subway doesn't collapse and they had to make sure this building didn't collapse. So what they did was they reinforced the walls with these big steel pillars to keep them up. In fact, our building dropped four inches on one side. But I knew from the depth of that foundation, this was going to be a tall one. I think it's about 24 stories, maybe more, 27. It's really hard when I'm looking up through the sunroof in the car. I literally got to go vertical to see the top. So the foundation is everything. And believe me, almost a million tons of concrete went into that foundation. See? Now, why am I saying that? To say this. God does not build on any of your previous life's foundations. God does not build on any of those gifts you had before you knew Him. Hello? He can use or He can redeem some of those gifts, but they're transformed. They're not the same thing you had before. Because... If God did, then God is not getting the full glory. See what I'm saying? So this was why he says to Jeremiah, verse 10, um, See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to what? To root out, to pull down, and to destroy and throw down. Then to build and to plant. What's the Lord saying to Jeremiah? I am going to destroy everything that the Jews 
have built upon that hasn't been me. And I'm going to go down, down, down to the root, to the core. Anything that is not based on the rock gets rooted up and destroyed. Now, guys, I've got to be really straight. Some of these desires and these visions that you have don't always have the purpose of God at the core. And I'm talking to myself. I'm preaching to myself. Because sometimes I get in the way. I'm playing a role or I'm taking a part that God hasn't really wanted me to take. Or I'm emphasising a part of the vision that God is not. And this is why so many saints who want to get into the mountains, especially arts mountains, or media mountains, or business mountains, fall so much. Because what they're desiring is really, they're trying to fill a void that they believe the vision will fill and not the God of the vision. And so the moment fame and fortune come, they believe that's going to fill the hole. Because you know what it is, these these stars, these so-called movie stars and rock stars or whatever, they believe that the money and the power and the influence will actually fill the hole. And it doesn't. Because if it did, why do they keep wanting more and more and more and more? It's like insatiable, guys. Isn't, you know what, when's the last time you heard somebody who was filthy rich give it all away and start all over again? You never do. He's done it several times. But, and I'm saying that, again, it's not wrong for the Lord to make you wealthy, right? But if you're looking for that for identity or for some kind of spiritual fulfillment, you're going to be sorely disappoint, disappointed. And because of that dynamic, their marriages don't work. Their relationships don't work because they're trying to fill everything with fame and fortune. And all that does is accentuate the problem. You know, if you were given more money and you don't know how to handle that, all you're doing is the first thing you'll do is extend your budget. I could afford a $10,000 car before, but now I can afford a $60,000, $100,000 car. And if you're not generating the right attitude and dynamic for wealth, you'll lose all the money. See? And this is why people who win the lottery often go bankrupt after four or five years. They make stupid investments. You know, they let people, you know, siphon out their, their wealth through guilt, right? Because they've never been able to handle it before. So I'm saying that uh, to bring out the point that whatever God is doing in your dream and your vision to fulfill His destiny for you, He's going to pinpoint usually during those first few years those parts of the vision that are not based on the rock. It's got to be built on the rock to quote Jesus. 
When you hear my words and you apply them, you're rock solid. But if you're hearing my words and you're not applying them, then you're only sand solid. You're in the mud. Okay? So this is why the Holy Spirit, sometimes we say it's a change of course, but it could be a cleansing. It could be a crucifying. It could be a shaking. It could be a chastising. I mentioned that. Could be an alignment. All through those dynamics, God's love never stops. His grace never stops. He never ever throws condemnation. He loves it when he lets when we as his children let us let sorry, let him steer the river. And we always get panicky. What are you doing? What are you doing? I don't understand what's going on. You told me we go this way. Now we're going this way. But the fact is that not knowing should stir an excitement because that's God's way of saying, watch what I'm going to do next. I remember there was a story of a man who was, he was caught in a fog. He was caught in a fog at a place in Sydney called Bulleye Pass. It's, 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 a, it's a high mountain and there's only one car sort of highway that, that sort of you know, descends through the mountain. Anyway, when, when a certain wind comes off the, off the sea, because it's right on the coast, the condensation of the water happens so quickly that often fogs up there at Bulleye Pass. Anyway, so he, he, he pulls the car off the road and he's standing at what they call the Bulleye Pass lookout. And at this lookout, you can see the city, the city of Wollongong. I know it sounds funny. It's an Aboriginal name. Wollongong. Can you say that? Wollongong. You can see the whole city past the nose because we've done this many times at the lookout. Um, but when the fog comes in, you can't see anything. And this is in the night. And so... He, he, you know, he goes too close to the, the fence line of the lookout and he falls. He falls. He goes about two metres and he ends up landing on a, a tree outcrop. And he's hanging there. Now it's about a hundred foot drop. And he's a believer. Lord, please help me. Remember, it's fogged out. It's about 11 at night. There's hardly anyone around. And the lookout is off the road. Like, you've got to drive maybe two, three minutes to get to the lookout. And the Holy Spirit says, let go. <laughs> you know this story, right? Lord, what do you mean? Let go. The Lord says, trust me. Let go. And he starts weeping. He, he, he knows it's God because he's, you know, he's heard the, the voice of the Lord before. And he starts weeping because he's thinking, maybe God just wants me to go to heaven right now. Now, you know by the way I'm telling this story, there's a good ending. 
He didn't know that. Now remember, the man can't see four feet below him. And after him and the Holy Spirit struggle for a while, finally he says, look, I'm going to trust you anyway. He lets go. He drops about four feet and it's a ledge that he didn't see. And he's secure. And it's the only place that his phone could get cell phone reception. Now, how many times have we been on that tree stump holding on, thinking that God's destroyed the dream and he says, let go. And you think letting go means I'm going to die, the dream's going to die, this is it. And you let go and you only, you only drop one inch. Oh, oh, wow, what an idiot I was. So what happens is you learn how to trust God all the more when you don't know. It's true. I'm there. I'm getting there. And you know what? I, I don't particularly like saying this, but it's when you go through the I don't know what God's doing where you grow, grow the most. Is that true, Dr. Rob? And I've got to be truthful. I, I find it very uncomfortable when God doesn't tell me what he's doing. I want to know everything that he's doing. Sometimes I want to tell him what he needs to be doing. And he loves that too, as long as it stays holy. Right? He doesn't mind you saying, what's up, Lord? Like, come on. But it's hard to let go when you don't see what, what is underneath you. It's hard to take the next step when you don't see what the next step is. But to, to bring a point home that Nate made, we were talking about how some churches now, maybe you need to come up and share about what's, what's happening with some of these churches who have a lot of artists in them. And this is not just to do with art, it's to do with business, it's to do with even missions. Whatever your call may be, allow the Lord to make an adjustment to the dream. I'm sure Joseph had to allow the Lord to adjust his dream. Joseph didn't wake up one morning and say, I'm going to be Prime Minister of Egypt today. God revealed it almost right at the very end. And only after God promoted Joseph did Joseph realise, wow, I can actually see why God allowed me to go through this hell. I'm not only just free, I'm second in charge to the most powerful nation on earth. Think about that. I'm only second to Pharaoh when it comes to the last word. Wow. Go ahead, mate. Um, yeah, most uh, people know that, um, especially for people in the arts and, like, you know, culture mountains. I say arts a lot because they're culture mountains. They're very, very big on in-your-face culture. But um, business, the same kind of thing. Most people believe that, you know, there was... Some people are called to the church, called to the world. 
which we know there's a different focus. But um, I believe the Lord's been showing me and I believe it's been confirmed by other prophets in the world. And you might, not be, you might be uncomfortable with what I'm about to say, but you have to wrestle. Um, there's a shift in the river coming. The state of the world at the moment, God is not ready to waste his investment in, that he's done in you by putting you in the world. So he's doing what I call an inside-out job. You would rather go out to bring them in, but he's making you keep in and from your inside, he's going to go to the outside. So a lot of the times we talk about, um, you know, you got to get out of the four walls of the church. Not anymore. The four walls of the church are your protection. The four walls of the church are your ship and your momentum to facilitate and carry the dream. And I'm going to be straight. A lot of you are in war with yourself because you're trying to do it outside the momentum of the ship. Okay, I don't think you should give them any more than that. I want to give you an example of something. The Lord, this is nothing revelation. This is something the Lord just gave me. John, where are you? This illustrates what Pastor Tony said. And this is, I want to give you a physical example. Can you get the smoke machine for me? Wherever, Jonathan, where are you? Well, while are you doing that? Let me bring a visual. Let me bring a visual while you're getting it all ready. The visual. Okay. We have a, um, an ability to be able to put a, a jigsaw puzzle together. Now, when you get a jigsaw puzzle, you get all the pieces. Okay? Now, they're not together. You've got to build the story. It's interesting, with a jigsaw puzzle, you don't add more pieces. You've only worked with the pieces you've got. Anybody get the idea of what I'm trying to say? In our lives, we add too many pieces. We add our fantasies. We add our vision. And I'm not talking about God's vision here. I'm talking about ours. And you, you understand what I'm trying to tell you. I'm looking at lives and I'm saying, this person, the way they see God is not big enough. Why isn't it not big enough? Because they see him as someone who does something on the spur of the moment. Someone who's adding to, to the story. No, your destiny was predestined from the beginning. Now, can we get a hold of that? Can we once and for all get a hold of that so good things can happen? Because I find that sometimes I'm seeing people that don't see the image and the power of God and they keep adding to the story. Well, you didn't get that job, so, uh, you know, uh, there's something better. Yes, yes, yes. God, give me another chance. No, um, I want you to see there's a destiny and there's predestination in your life. 
And we're not seeing this predestination. All we're seeing is, well, if that one didn't work, we'll add this one to it. And if that one didn't work, we'll add something else. And if that one didn't work, oh, maybe this one will work. Do you know you're selling the Lord short when you do things like that? It's like he's turning up on the spur of the moment. God is not a spur of the moment God. He's a predestined God. And he knows the beginning from the end and every step in between. And so if you want to see a life of destiny, I'm challenging you tonight, stop adding your parts to it. Last week I taught at, uh, at Portals. I brought something up in the second half of Portals and I said, it's a curse to add to and to take away from the Word of God. And yet there were people on uh, the website, on YouTube, adding Adding, what are they adding? They're adding the psychic image of what's going on. No, God destined a man to do something and he doesn't change his mind halfway through it and start adding a bit of psychic and a bit of this phenomena and this phenomena. But church, I'm telling you, they're in the world. But what's the excuse for the church? Can I ask you that? What's the excuse for the church? There is no excuse. There's a predestination. There's a destiny. And if you leave it alone, God will unfold it His way. And you won't have to go around the mountain. You won't have to walk that path again. You'll finally be walking the path of destiny because of predestination. That's what Jesus did. Did Jesus add the day that he came and he woke up and he, he sought his father in the morning. He sought his father and already the Lord said, here's my plan from the beginning of the beginning. This plan is for today and is to be put into action today. Are you getting me, please? When Jesus healed, it was predestined. Are you getting it? When he saved someone, it was predestined. When Paul saved someone, it was predestined. Was the road to Damascus a predestined experience? Of course it was. He just didn't go and persecute the, the Christians and then one day God says, and now I'm going to give you a chance, Paul. I'm going to give you a chance. Oh, the, the circumstances just woke up like that and now we're going to find ourselves on the road to Damascus. This just happened to happen. No, this is predestined. Even what the enemy does can't be spoken of unless God gives rights and permission to have it happen. Oh my God. It's a predestined God we serve. We don't serve a God of, well, spontaneity, but someone who's just going to turn up because that didn't work. That didn't work. Shutdown has come. All of Broadway is closed down. 
not even allowed to get out there in the shops anymore. Can't even go and eat anymore. Was God caught off guard? I'm asking you, is the Lord caught off guard with your life? Well, you need to see you have a predestined God and he says to you, all your fantasies out, now we're going to get your destiny going where it belongs. Now we're going to get the vision moving because your vision's out and my vision's in. Are you getting what I'm saying? I want you to know, I want you to know you've got a jigsaw puzzle. That's your life. Don't add any more pieces. It'll make the picture look stupid. And us. No, I need you to see that. Can you see what I'm saying? All right, we gotta, we've got five pieces left over and uh, by chance I'm just going to add them to the picture. Where'd your picture go, guys? It became distorted. Stay with the picture that God gives you. Thank you, Pastor. Thank you, sweetie. All right, um, I don't know if is it this camera eight, whatever this camera is, if we could just focus on the drum cage. Now, Nate's going to demonstrate what they do when they train aircraft pilots to navigate their, their craft, their aircraft with instruments only. And the reason why they do that is when you're caught in a cloud, right, you lose your orientation. You don't know where up or down is. Sometimes when you're, when you're doing deep water diving or if you've been, you know, tossed about by some heavy surf. This happened to me. I nearly drowned once. I was body surfing and the wave was just a little too big that I, than I expected. And I started rolling and rolling on the bottom of the beach and I lost all direction. Because of the turbulence. I didn't know which was up, which was down. Where do I go for air? That was my big question. And if it wasn't for the Lord letting me hit the bottom, I would never have known where up was. So go ahead. Let's... uh... I'll I'll give an oration. A lot of us on our destiny and our dreams, we look out and we get our bearings from what we see around us, what what we know to be like fact because we can see it. Everything's in its place, right? But with basic training with pilots, what they get them to do is they get them to drive straight into the storm so that in the middle of the storm where all the turbulence and all the clouds are, everything that they've relied on to guide them, they can't use except one thing. And it's their altitude barometer on on their dashboard. Because that's the barometer that lets them know if they're either horizontal or vertical, if they're upside down. But this is what the Lord wanted me to show you. You're going on your destiny and then the Lord starts, um, I don't know if it's going to work, but I don't want to choke in this fog. (laughs) I'm waiting for it to, here it is. The Lord starts fogging the mirrors. So now things get a little bit foggy and you don't have the reality of what you're looking at, what you used to rely on to get your reality of, oh yeah, well, you know, I know who I am. No, you don't know who you are because you haven't got his dream. So you haven't got the full identity of who you are yet. 
So as the fog becomes more and more, God's trying to get you to stop relying on all of your worldly instruments. Because there's only one thing that's going to throw, that's going to push you through the storm. And that's your altitude meter. I'm waiting for the fog to warm up again. But that's the only thing that you have to focus on. And that's the only thing that can tell you if you're right, if you're left, if you're up or if you're down. It's getting really foggy in here, by the way. All right. Not working. Continue, Pastor, while I warm it up. All right. So um, just to go back on this, you know, this whole adjustment of the dream, sometimes a sign that something's really amiss is when you're, you're holding on to it too tightly. And I know Pastor has mentioned this many times. You're owning it too much. And by doing that, you're really saying that you're... Your part to play is now sort of overstepped its mark. If this is truly God's dream, then he has to carry the bulk of the burden of seeing it fulfilled. Mm. Our part is just to obey every move he reveals to us. And sometimes he gets us to do things that we don't understand at all. Like that man on the, on the tree, you know, branch, just let go and trust. Many times he's trying to do that with our dreams. Just let go and trust. You don't know what is ahead. You know, Pastor mentioned Paul the Apostle. Why did the Lord choose the road to Damascus? Why didn't he save Paul in Jerusalem? Could have appeared to him in Jerusalem. Well, the environment in Jerusalem, they would have killed him almost instantly. You see, he had to get him out and alone and then in a city where he had no familiarity at all. You had to rely on the disciples of Christ. Are you fogged out enough, Nate? Switch on. I'm getting there. All right. Have a look. You can barely see him now. Lord, is that you? Is that you bidding me to come? Do you get it? But what are you going to rely on when you can't see outside your windows? That's what is, what is your instrument? That's letting you know whether you're horizontal or vertical, whether you're flat. It's God's voice. It's the voice of the Lord. You can't rely on old instruments. This is why God keeps saying worldly tools that we've used to try and facilitate our dreams in the past are not going to happen because He's fogging up the mirrors, church. Like Pastor just said, the biggest test and the biggest character proving and character growth comes through the, the, the greatest trials. That's when you get the closest to the Lord. It's in this fogging right now that I'm relying on my altitude meter the most because it's the only thing that I can look at to tell me what's up or what's down. I can't right. rely on anything else. I would ask you to turn on the exhaust fan now, please. Yeah, I'm starting to feel a little bit. Yeah, turn it on. I don't know how healthy that smoke material is, but trust the Lord. But it's a good visual because many times, you know, like the, the uh, apostles in the boat. Oh, don't turn it on anymore, Nate. That wasn't me. It was automatic. Oh. 
And like I said, look, I, um, I, I apply this principle to myself because I am one of those people who, I, I suppose I have this fear of not knowing what comes next. And then the devil hits you with all these scenarios, usually negative ones. Maybe if I do this or that, you know, I'll walk, I'll bump into God along the way. You know, we're hoping, gee, there's a lot of smoke, Nate. So again, not to discourage you, we are going to affect each mountain in the world. But I'm like Pastor Nate and, and Pastor Robin here. The world is so bad right now. Come on. It is so bad. I couldn't confidently say, yeah, go for it. And even if we agree, like, you know, stay in touch. Let us keep speaking into your life. Let us be. Believe me, once you're hooked in, forces start to take over that you will not be able to control. So some churches now are building a a sort of a, a work, a network that will embrace their artistic people, their business people, that will develop them to a very successful level within the walls of Christendom. And then they'll start exposing them to the world a little more because they will not need the fame and the glory. They would have reached a level in their own, you know, in their own mountain and within the, um, the context of their faith to be able to be a true light and true salt to people they're interacting with the world in. Now, I can tell you there's Whitney Houston, there's uh, Beyonce Knowles or Beyonce. They all started with good intentions. All right? So many Christian artists that walked away from their faith as Christian artists. It is so bad out there. So I'm not saying, and neither is pastor saying, that you won't be affecting the world. You will. But again, the way we affect the world, we have to let the Holy Spirit speak into that now. as others, but as Christians. There is a major, major difference. Christians first, right? Christians first, always. Always Christian. I'm not staying up here and getting this. (laughs) Somebody turned fans on or something. It's pretty bad. So it means Christians. Your Christianity has to be the effect, not your gift. Not your talent. No, not your money. Do you understand what I'm saying? You know, I mean, I heard, what what did they say that we're going to do? They were going to make what city now? Is it Phoenix my era? It's not happening. I will tell you straight out from the Lord, New York. Because that is what God wanted and He hasn't changed His mind. And I'm one of these people, once I get it from the Lord, you won't move me by God's grace. You won't move me. You know what I'm, I'm telling you? 
And I'm, I'm really tired of people adding pieces to this jigsaw puzzle all the time. It's beginning to become another picture. The picture that it was meant to be changes because we start adding pieces. We start adding pieces and as we add pieces, as I said to you, it becomes distorted. And in the end, you're trying to put two pictures into one. You get what I'm saying, don't you? We serve a predestinate God. He knows the beginning from the end. He knew what was underneath that branch. There was a ledge. He knew that. We didn't, but He did. But you see, this is the problem, Pastor. God wants to show Himself to be bigger than we've made Him to be. Bigger than your vision. Bigger than your destiny. Bigger than your gift and your dream. There's no one bigger than the dream giver. You're just a dreamer. He's the giver of dreams. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Our our world is in chaos and confusion at the moment because we keep adding to the picture. You add to your picture and all the Lord wants to do is get rid of the fantasy and bring back the dream. The dream that He gave you before you were formed in your mother's womb. The dream that put you on this earth for such a time as this. It's all about that, guys. It's all about that. You see, I'm, I'm pretty excited that the Lord was able to show me one thing that gets me to hold on to the rebirth, the reformation, and that is the com- not the compassion, but the passion of God for innocent children. This is the purpose of it all. This is the reason for it all. It was in the beginning the reason and it's still the reason and it will be the reason in the end. That's the God that I serve that doesn't change His mind halfway through it. That's the God that I can trust in that sometimes I might like, but He's the God I can trust in because He never, never stops being the truth. Even when I don't like it, He's still my truth and He's still your truth. We need to see this, Pastor, because it's so important because there is so much confusion out there and there's so much confusion in our lives. One minute I'm... You know, I'm called to do this next minute. If that didn't work, I'm called to do this. If that didn't work, I'm called to do this. No. What sort of a God do we serve? What sort of a God do we serve? Sounds a bit like a confused God. And I certainly don't, I don't serve a confused God. One will He's got, that we do His will. That's His will. 
that we do his will. And then he'll tell you what his will is. But there's some things he's knocking off and getting rid of. But I'm telling you right now, they were never in his will. And they should never be in your will. And they should never be your desire or your destiny or your vision or your dream. Because if he hasn't put them in the picture, they're not good for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm sure, Steph, when you're a little girl, you never knew you would end up in New York City, married. You never did. But God knew. God knew. I'm sure we at one stage never thought we would end up from Australia to America. You know, my thoughts going to die in Australia, uh, you know, going to see my grandchildren, you know, going to grow up and, and uh, this is all going to be living in my big house I've got in Australia. <laughs> wow. Well, that's some fantasy God got rid of really quickly, isn't it, for me. And so, you know, it wasn't a bad thing, but it wasn't His destiny for me. And there's a better destiny. Now I'm a part of the church here. Now I'm pouring into your lives. And now we're going to have a school. I thought the school would be in Australia giving, um, you know, soap and that we would be working with Mark Verkler in Australia. It's not what it's about. This is where God's moving from. And everybody in the world knows it. And we feel very honoured and blessed that it is part of our destiny. So, Pastor, it's really important that we see this God knows the beginning and He knows the end. And can I tell you, the most, you don't fight with the beginning and you don't fight with the end. You fight with that which is in between. Do you hear what I said? I'm the beginning, I'm the end. But here's the part that you wrestle with and all the pieces in between. I'm that as well. I'm going to bring this out on portals tonight because I'm really tired, really tired of people adding to the picture. I've come out strong against anything psychic coming into the church of Jesus Christ and into any prophecy that God gave and I think it's time now for the church to wake up. You don't need psychic stuff. You don't need to add anything. You've got the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was there in the beginning and it will be there in the end till He comes. It's really important that we take this now. You're not just stumbling into something. You're on that path and if you're walking the path like you should be, and you want to be, you won't stumble. You won't stumble. And you won't be asking in a, in a haze, what's going on? Because even though you're in that haze, you will know. If you can't see, He can. Because His eyes are everywhere. 
I need you to see this, guys. I need you to walk with me on this because I've taken the challenge on to get this church of Jesus Christ that's starting to lose perspective and to put it back where it belongs with declaring what He declares and it doesn't change. It doesn't change for this world, for America, and it doesn't change for your life and for my life. It's still the same. You know, my daughter Christy, she's she's selling cars now. She at one stage was selling trips. Talk about a a turn in the river. Turn in the river. She, you know, turn in the river. She's not even qualified yet and she sold five cars. In one day, two days. Because something is there that God wants to show her that has adjusted her to where she needs to be. I'm telling you, big things are happening. Big things in her life. Someone had a vision of her at church the other day. Uh, It was Pastor uh, Victor's um, mother who comes from um, Canada. She's, uh, I think she's got Chinese in her as well. Russian, Chinese, yeah. And she, wow, what a combination. Thank you, Jesus. And she saw Christie's in the hands of the Lord. And he was holding her. And he was holding her and he was going like this, going like this. And, she, and Chris wasn't even there. She had to go to an engagement party to one of my granddaughters. And she going like this and like this. And the Lord said, through this woman, which we've known for years, I'm showing you as a trophy of mine. It's now your time to shine. So I just want to encourage you, when you're on that pathway, you move very fast. And she's moving so fast. My granddaughter's moving fast. My grandson's moving fast. The children here are moving fast. I'm telling you, when you get on that pathway, you move very fast. And everything that you thought was the way to do it and the way to get it is parts of those puzzle that's extra. You just throw them away, man. Throw them away. I I think about you, Vanessa, and I remember a word that was given about your sisters and that you were going to be the key. Do you ever think your sister would be in New York? You're the key. But you didn't know how it was going to get there because you threw the bits away. Now you see the pathway. It's the way it works. It's the way it works. We don't add to the picture, please. Don't add to it. It brings nothing but confusion to you. And it brings, well, good word, it stops. And we have to get it going again, what God's saying. So let's not halt it. Amen. Thank you so much. That was fantastic, Pastor. 
So we're going to agree to be a little bit more vulnerable to the turns in the river. Yeah. Everybody's looking at me like, hmm. <laughs> the, the pastor, the river has to have banks because you're going too fast. And when you hit the bank, even if you turn, you slow down. There's a proverb that says, the heart of the king is like a river. The Lord turns his heart whoms, whichever way he so chooses. And so it's true for our lives. But there's so many like analogies of our walk with the Lord. You know, people sometimes say we're like a ship with a sail. Holy Spirit blows into the sail and then he leads us to our destiny. And just like on a ship, there's storms. There's times when you have to dock you go to dry dock to get all the barnacles off your boat. But what about in a river? Rivers that are of significant length usually travel through terrain that is so diverse. The Mississippi starts all the way up near the Dakotas and it winds right through the middle of America. It goes through mountains, deserts, places where there's swamps, Deltas, at any given time, especially in the winter, parts of the Mississippi are frozen over, while in other parts it's as hot as anything. And our walk sometimes, we go through the still waters that Psalm 23 tells us. He leads me through, you know, in green pastures and where the waters are still. In other words, it's so slow it's like a relaxation. There are times when you go through the rapids where you think you're going to drown. Right? There's rocks everywhere. And you just got to trust the flow of the river. Okay? So let's pray. We all need the grace of God. When that change in the terrain or in the river course happens, Let's pray that we're prayed up before so that we won't try and go off to the bank and get out of the flow. That's the temptation. So Father, we thank You for Your grace. Thanks, Al. Just, just pause now. Father, we thank You for Your grace. We are all vulnerable and there's times when You're going to make us even more vulnerable. And Lord, I know what that is like, but I say it can be the most exciting time as well as the most challenging. And so, Lord, we pray for that, you know, that redemptive grace to be present with us. You never leave us. You never forsake us. You don't want us to throw away our dream completely just to make adjustment. The way we see it playing out in the end may not necessarily be what you are going to let play out in the end. And that's the big question. Because you are sovereign, Lord, we commit our ways to you and we commit our understanding to you so that we don't interfere with the big picture. In Jesus' name, amen. And those of you who have joined us online, if... This is your first time visit to the Talk New York website. We encourage you to exercise faith in Jesus Christ.
the first step to an abundant life, a life where you will live it to the fullest is when you've aligned your life with God's destiny. And the first step to that destiny is that God requires you to repent of all your wrongdoings, your sins. The first step to God's abundant life is admission of guilt. Now, you may not hear this from other gospel preachers, but this is the gospel of God. God requires all people everywhere to repent of their evil works. God wants to forgive you. It's not like he's asking you to do something that hasn't got a positive end. He wants you to live forever. He wants you to have an abundance of living while you're here on earth. But you only get that when he is leading, empowering, and also directing your life. And you do that by praying a simple prayer. Here's the prayer. Please repeat it after me. I'm, I'm trusting it's coming up on, your, on your, um, your screens. If I say it a little differently, that's all right. Just say this, Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins and to wash me clean with your blood. Lord, I believe you died and that you rose again for me. Okay? Come and live in my heart. Fill me with your spirit. Let me have true communion with you that is not based on performance or religion, but total intimacy. Thank you, Lord, for saving me and for delivering me. In Jesus' name. Amen? All right. If that's the first time that you've ever prayed such a prayer, let us help you with the next step. It's vital. We want to get a Bible in your hands. We want you to understand, you know, how the Lord thinks. But more than that, you need community. You need a community of believers to come alongside you and to help you to walk the walk that the Lord Jesus has now introduced you to. It is exciting, sometimes scary, but always, always, always ending up for your good. God bless you. Want to bless the church here. Guys, I thank you for your patience. It's a pretty strong word tonight. But nevertheless, let's get ready for the adjustments. If there's a change in course of the, the, the dream or the vision, guess what? God will prepare your heart because it's going to be bigger than what you originally thought. But not necessarily working out the way you thought. Amen? If you've truly given your life over, then trust Him fully. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his countenance rise up and grant you favour all the remainder of this week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. God bless you and good night. If this is your first time accepting Jesus, we would love for you to get in touch with us so we can walk alongside you in taking your next steps in faith. 
There is so much that God wants to do in your life to show his goodness and love. And our team is ready and willing to connect you and partner with you on your journey. Visit torque.org slash contact to speak to someone today. It is our joy to partner with you and see Jesus become real, relevant, and relational in every part of your life. Thanks for listening to the talk message of the week. We hope you were encouraged by this and stirred to make this more than just words, but a reality. If you have been impacted by what was shared, why not go ahead and share it with someone who you know needs to hear it? You can get the latest episodes of this podcast by subscribing via Spotify, Apple, or your talk app. Need to rewatch this message again? Be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel or check out talktv.org for more amazing content. We thank you for your generous support and prayers. And if you would like to contribute to our ministry, please visit talk.org forward slash give. From all of our leaders and team, we love you, are praying for you, and believing for your every step to be aligned with Him and His Spirit this week. Until we see you next time, God bless.